0: Or it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old bar.
1: Take me out to you out at the old ball, yeah. Welcome to Let's Get to the baseball podcast from the fans perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher and welcome to let's get to i am your host james
0: christopher and we got a packed show for you today it's a little all over the place the kind of show i actually really like scott and i are going to talk the apparently 65 page plan for major league baseball to come back does does major league baseball not realize that major league baseball players generally speaking can't read i kid just a joke everyone relax uh, we also talk uh, with GoGo Astros. Andy and I are going to whine about how Astros fans and our legacy as a baseball team have largely been mistreated by Major League Baseball. And it's not as dramatic as it sounds because I think we're right. And for Oppo Taco, we bring in our Twins expert, but we're not talking about Minnesota. He's talking about an opening day. But I do want to talk a little bit about the KBO and and Preston Tucker. It's been really cool to watch former Astro, you know, and and, you're never a great, great player, um, but always a very likable player and people in the city of Houston liked. And when when the Astros drafted his brother, Kyle, they were pretty excited about it. And so it's been really cool to watch him rake in the Korean, in the KBO. One of the things though I've liked about the KBO, though, is – it still plays like I mean they're basically playing the baseball that I grew up watching. They're moving runners. They're hitting tall fields. They are you know they they're not really pitchers can't rely on blowing fastballs by people all the time and you you're not you don't have the same level of power that you have in the major leagues in the KBO. So it's been really cool to almost watch the KBO and for that matter the CPPL it's almost like you're watching into like the past of how baseball used to be played and was meant to be played. It's been so much fun. And to the point now that I'm getting up at about five 30 in the morning, local time. And which is, you know, the time I would have gotten up for school anyway, when I still had to drive to teach. And so we would go and uh, yeah, I would just kind of wake up in the morning and and pour myself some cereal and watch a little Korean baseball. And it's been a blast. And you know, get get over the differences. Because one, you've got ESPN voices you recognize doing the play-by-play. They're doing a lot more fun stuff. You are getting to hear um, a slightly different perspective and bringing on major leaguers who used to play overseas, many of them in Korea, has been a really cool part of that broadcast. And honestly, it's something I hope that they kind of embrace, I think they should embrace a bit more, you know, a bit more their personalities from the play-by-play and and bring people on that actually have a point of view. Look, A-Rod is awful. We just need to acknowledge that. A-Rod's terrible. No one likes hearing him talk. He has not, he's not very good on camera. He just isn't. Give me the guys that are doing the KBO. Let them have a little bit more free reign. Because remember what's the best thing about going to a baseball game live? The best thing about going to a baseball game live are the beats between pitches when you can kind of hang out and talk. Just do that. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons that Major League Baseball is going to be able to learn from Korean baseball. And that's just one of them. I actually, and I've come 180 degrees on this. I'm sure Scott will text me with a, aha, I told you. Cause, but I've vastly enjoyed the presentation piece on face value for the KBO way more than I generally speaking, enjoy the presentation piece for major league baseball. Go,
1: go Go, go Astros, a focus on H town hardball. Alright, so we're back here
0: on Google Astros, and and I don't normally do this, but I'm now giving permission to all non-Astros fans listening to this to just skip to the next segment Andy, did you know that in 2005 Albert Pujols hit a meaningless home run that everyone still talks about?
2: Um, yeah, and matter of fact evidently this week um, who was it, Will Leach, Lex, Diff, I don't even know his name um, came out with the most memorable moments in every ballpark, and somehow the Astros, who Major League Baseball is trying their best to get it, um, everybody else doesn't exist anymore, um, decided that their most memorable moment was from another team in a game that ultimately matters <laughs> not at all.
0: Yeah, it, it's so... No
2: other team, no other team... Got that privilege. Every other team, including the Royals, including the Rays, including the Padres, every other team got a moment that was a player of theirs doing I something will, great. I will
0: actually add the caveat that that's only mostly correct, that I do believe the one in Jacobs Field was the Cubs winning the World Series, which, of course, if you know anything about Major League Baseball, of course, they're going to celebrate that ad nauseum. <laughs>
2: Well, I, I will fully admit that I don't pay attention to the Indian salt. <laughs> makes and that
0: sense. Makes sense. No, and that's – but that brings us to, so, to a larger question. So, you know, uh, um, I'm doing that hand motion that we do when we don't care about anything that simulates a certain act. Um, we all know that the Astros cheated in 2017 <laughs> and somewhere they, – they, I've, right. I've heard uh, somewhere between um, the, the Holocaust and um, – You know, I don't know um, the Armenian genocide. The Astros cheating fits somewhere squarely in the middle.
2: I I still think that um, the Astros absolutely were worse than Genghis Khan um, and the Mongol horde to you know ravage and pillage all of Asia and Europe. Um,
0: Slightly better than the Holocaust. So yeah, it's you know the point is it's in the discussion, Um, but. It's a a great area. One of the things that a lot of people have pointed out and have noticed as, you know, all of these, like there was one day where the rebroadcast MLB games, because obviously we're not having new games right now, was um, all games in which Astros, the Astros lost dramatically. There was like five of them, including the Pujols one. Uh, There was game seven of the World Series. What is, what in the actual hell is going on?
2: Um, I think I, I mean, I don't have any insight to what is actually going on, but it seems to me that ESPN and major league baseball um, have colluded or conspired to pretend the Astros no longer exist. Um, I can point to the things that you're talking about. I can point to the fact, I think I sent you a screenshot of the, that um, MLB tap sports baseball, 2021, uh, the ad for it that runs on Facebook has all 20, 29 of 30 teams uh, visible by their logo. Uh, and of course, it has um, the great Aaron Judge. I don't know if I have his name right anymore. I don't pay attention to the Yankees either. Um, pretty sure that's his last name. I don't care. Uh, he's the spokesperson this year, rightfully so. Great player in a big market. Absolutely get it. Um, Can you guess what the one team whose logo is not visible is? The
0: Arizona Diamondbacks.
2: That is incorrect. It is the Houston Astros who were, in fact, a
0: World Series participant last year. But they cheated. And no one else ever has. Um, No. Evidently the worst
2: thing in the world. But it is absolutely a situation where um, they're doing their best to either vilify the Astros or pretend that they even exist. Um, it it, is, it kind of permeates everything. If you look at baseball references, um, is running a simulation, uh, this summer so far, uh, or this spring so far of the 2020 season, based on the original schedule. Um, the Astros are firmly in third place, uh, two and a half games back of the Seattle Mariners. I don't know what that's about. Are they still
0: playing actual major league baseball? uh, I thought they'd been reduced to triple a.
2: Well, oh, on okay, okay, they okay. are anyway. Uh, also, note, worth noting that somehow in the simulated schedule, um, the Astros have, in, in real real time, in real life, the last three years, won sixty seven percent of their games in their division against division opponents, including last year where they went fifty six and twenty, which is about as dominant as you can be over a division. Want to know what their division record is this year I'm in curious. the simulation? 14 and 13 and they have lost to Seattle 6 times out of 8 games.
0: Okay. Um all right. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's uh you know, Seattle got off to that run last year, maybe that's what they're simulating. I don't know. I I just I
2: also um, Springer and Correa are being uh, punished in the simulation for existing. Um, Springer is slashing 250 361 406. He has never been in his career slugged less than 434, and that was during an injury-shortened season. Uh, Correa had actually a 926 OPS last year, even though he only played 75 games. Somehow he is 246, 341, 390, all of which are numbers he's never approached in his career. But somehow in their primes in this simulation, they're going to be two of the worst everyday position players in baseball.
0: I want... you know the the thing is is that there will be people listening to this that hate listen to it and are gonna be like, "Well, what's the big deal?" And I, and I'll tell you what the big deal is. Um, and maybe it's stupid, but you know, when I wake up in the morning and I get that MLB email and it's the best whatever, like of each team, you know we're we're trying to survive a pandemic. I am okay with my job, but my wife is obviously worried about her business, her entire industry is one of the hardest hit. And so for 30 seconds, whatever it takes me to scroll and read, I want to at least forget about all of this for a second. And so it's, it's, it's disheartening, I guess is what I'm looking for, that the people behind MLB.com and the rights for Major League Baseball are just are using this as an opportunity to be petty and to continue to stick it to the greatest villains in the history of the earth. And uh,
2: there, there is no other purpose Um, And I can almost understand it from an online perspective because literally, I know you have a subscription to The Athletic. I do, too. If you mention the word Astros in your article, you can count on at least five, and that's way down from where it was a couple weeks ago. Um, I hate the Astros. The Astros, should all burn in hell. They're the uh, epitome of evil kind of comments from Yankees, Dodgers, and a few other uh, club's fans. Um, So I get why you might want to avoid that kind of animus. But there's a difference between carefully crafting and completely unrepresenting or misrepresenting um, what your league is. And your league is 30 teams, and they do have um, 30 unique qualities that you could be presenting. And as we continue to talk about, I know everybody's probably sick of it, uh, it is still a TV contract, a league, uh, everything is set up to promote the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers over everything else. And the fact that the Astros were, you know, that how dare they win games first of all, or win a World Series, but um, because they were caught again uh, killing babies uh, right outside the womb uh, in a fourth trimester abortion scam, evidently, um, while clubbing baby seals, they get, they're just getting lambasted. Um, to the point that we're pretending in video games that they don't exist.
0: I will. Yeah, and it wasn't even the video games. Like, remember, there was that whole let's all stay home and be safe together, and I think they had every single um, AL West team was in it, except for the Astros. I mean...
2: And and to some point, I can understand that. I understand why if you were doing a Let the Kids Play promotion this year, you might not want Carlos Correa in it this year. I get that. Um, But there is, again a difference between marketing and careful advertising and just completely disavowing the existence of an entire franchise that's been in existence for almost 60 years.
0: Right. And it's history. Isn't just trash cans and AstroTurf. Um,
2: well, and to that point, the Red Sox have not been removed for any of the national marketing campaigns for baseball, including the stay at home, including, um, video game ads, including replays of games on ESPN and other, other channels. Um, that's, this is completely exclusively reserved for the Astros. And if you get to see them to your point they you only get to see them lose because evidently the only memorable moments they've had are, um, as a placeholder for Albert Capujols to wear gray uniforms.
0: You could even, um, I don't, I, it, it gets me so like worked up that I, that, I just want to like to me, like I almost don't care if baseball comes back. Like that's the that is the net effect that we're having. And I think that what bugs me the most about it is that Manfred and Major League Baseball have said that championship stands. It's not being taken away. It is by any measure a legitimate championship that fans can make whatever decision they want. So it seems like the publications in support therein should also be acknowledging that 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 is a thing.
2: Um, I'm pretty sure Tony Clark and the players union also said that it was a legitimate championship. Um, So it's not like there's another part of the baseball stratosphere that's disagreeing outside of Tyler Bauer and, you know, a few others.
0: Um, One of the things that, um, that I wanted to kind of do as we sort of talk about that is I know that you and I have some other moments that would have been nice replacements for for if you for Pulhos's home run as impactful as it was to well no one Um I know that you and I had some alternative moments that we might want to consider that MLB could have celebrated for Minute Maid Park. I mean I've got legit ones
2: I've got crazy ones it it's it, it completely I want to go I want to do all, to it all
0: of it I want to do a laundry list um and, and you know what and and I'll even I'll let you go first.
2: Um, I'd start with the cosmic opposite of um, the Pujols' home run, the Jeff Kent home run against the Cardinals in Minute Maid Park in the 2004 American League, or excuse me, National League um, Championship Series. It was also a moonshot home run that ended up being meaningless because the Astros lost the series in seven games. Yep. You know how often you see that replayed outside of Minute Maid Park?
0: Never. Never.
2: Never, and don't go to YouTube because you no. can't find it. You also
0: can't find Game 7 of the 2005 NLCS, but you can find Game 5. Or Game 6, whatever it was the Astros ended up winning. You can't – yeah, not there. Um, one of the – I Oh, it was six. We shut right. down the Stadium in six. six games. You know, in meaningless. That meaningless um, one of the things that I – you know, the what I would – the my go-to for is the Chris Burke home run. You're telling me 18 innings – against the Braves, a team that had the Astros number, but I mean, 18 innings and a guy named Chris Burke, and maybe that's part of it. Who the hell is Chris Burke anymore? But that's as dramatic as it gets, in my opinion.
2: Uh, from the same game, uh, Lance Berkman bringing it within uh, a run against, um, God, I can't remember his name, Mark Wohlers? No. Somebody that was throwing 150 mile an hour heat against for the Braves because they always had one of those guys um, to bring the game within reach in the same game. Brad awesome hitting a game tying run to send the game into extra innings. Um, you have three examples from one playoff game. Exactly. Yeah.
0: What was wrong? What was wrong with that one? MLB.
2: Can you find it? Can you find any of those? Can you find any of those on MLB or YouTube? No, you can't. Um, another great moment. If you want to avoid 2017 and we haven't got there yet. Um, you want to avoid Altuve and his supposed buzzers? We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, Craig Beach has three thousand hits. Happened in yeah. May Bay Park. That's historic Hall of Fame baseball kind of stuff. But no, Albert Pujols's meaningless home run in the playoffs.
0: <laughs> meaningless. It's just, you know, and, and it's it's uh, I I I find myself maybe even more irritated because, you know, in the in the sort of small, weird circle that is guys who hold baseball podcasts on Twitter, I'm often brought into conversations that I don't want to be part of because I'm, and I'm introduced as, well, here's a reasonable Astros fan that will answer the questions you have um that you have. Like, like why, like why are Astros fans walking around with hate us t-shirts? And it isn't because everybody in the city of Houston that supports this ball club is pro cheater. It's because this, What we're dealing with now from the – because, you know, you mentioned the Red Sox. Now, to be fair, Andy, both times they cheated, it wasn't as bad as the Astros. (laughs) What if you combine the two times? I I do believe that – I know that if uh, if I'm the criminal justice system, I do combine the – the two, st- and if I'm also a teacher, because I am, I definitely look at someone who cheats twice as a more egregious problem than someone who cheats once and is just a little bit better at it. Um, but you know what? Major League Baseball is, has defied logic forever.
2: Well, I mean, we can't combine the Red Sox um, issues. Can we combine uh, the times Tony La Russa has been accused of having a camera in the dugout? as recently as January? I'm of looking this year. it up.
0: Uh, no, he, um, he coached the Cardinals. We're not allowed to do that. Sorry. Next. Did he ever manage okay. the Astros? And I'm, I'm nothing, no. against,
2: nothing against the Cardinals. Um, what about Bobby Thompson? The Astros didn't exist when he was playing, but uh, they didn't just have a camera for that one playoff yeah. game.
0: No. Uh, no. first. excuse me, a telescope. We gave that home run a nickname that, sim- that symbolizes the American Revolution, so no, it does not count. Uh, sorry.
2: You know, a moment that uh, memorializes Minute Made Park for me, at least the way that outside fans want us to think of Minute Made Park that isn't our Um Jonathan VR sliding face first into Brandon <laughs> Phillips' butt. You can find that eight <laughs> different times on the Internet without even – that's a, a Minute Made Park moment that I think everybody I, can I get think by. the
0: only Minute Paid mark, Minute Paid Minute Made Park moment I want to see ever again is Lance Berkman awkwardly stumbling up Towles Hill. Like I mean, that's a thing that literally can't happen anywhere oh, else.
2: I would put that hill back in, in a second. Matter of fact, I'd put the flagpoles back in play and have them bend onto the field periodically, because if you want it to be a sideshow,
0: let's just yeah, make it. a side no, show. I agree. Um, speaking of sideshows, we're going to transition to something we're not prepared for, or at least I didn't prepare you for. Um, the big news out of there is that poor little Alex Bregman is such a weak, weak, weak little flower that he has left his agent. And the theory is that it's the same agent that I guess represents LeBron and LeBron is, uh, I didn't know this is now a filmmaker, I guess. um, and is making a documentary about how the Astros well, cheated. Thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. And this is not, that's not quite accurate. So Bergman is leaving his, or has left his um, long time. Uh, wait a minute, Andy. That, that is the later story later.
0: Major League Baseball Brody, Twitter told me. I don't care what fake news you're about to bring up, even if it is right.
2: All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to put my <laughs> fake news in there anyway. He's leaving Brody Schofield. Who um, was part of an agency, and then last year left to form Clutch Sports, which is the um, athlete, the baseball arm of LeBron James's sports agency called Uninterrupted. I think it's hard to tell because there's a bunch of different names that make no sense, and you would never identified them as a sports agency. Um, and it is true, LeBron James, who happens to own Alex Bregman's um, sports agency. Um, is making a documentary. Um, and evidently it's going to be called, oh, I lost the name. It doesn't really matter, but um, sign something, something, something. It's got a tentative name. You know how filmmakers get. Uh, so anyway, he is producing this documentary um, for Quibi. And I honestly thought Quibi had already gone out of business, but evidently they've only lost five, uh, half, a, half a billion dollars since January. Um, the only thing I know about Quibi is that they are on the verge of completely shutting down, and also Sophie Turner's leg is in prominent in one of the ads, and that's the only thing, I, only reason that I have anything to do with Quibi at all. Um, but it's um, maybe the port, most poorly timed product launch ever, um, and I'm sure LeBron has some pr- part of it. Uh, because they are doing short attention span theater at a time in history where everybody's got nothing but time on their hands to watch things.
0: Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because, you know, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I know what it takes to make a documentary. So I want to ask some questions about the project. Um, one, um, are the Astros participating?
2: Um, who knows? Probably not.
0: Does any? I guess nobody cares. Are they going to get, are they going to get double immunity? (laughs) It's so, it's so interesting that he's, so, uh, I do want to talk about, um, this a little bit further, but I just think it's so interesting to me that, that, um, that this purveyor of all that is truth and right in America, LeBron James is really going to set the record straight on this by not talking to anyone from the Astros organization. Um, because I don't think he has permission from the. I don't think he has permission from the MLB to be doing this. Quite frankly, now he doesn't really need it. Um, but to get more access, he does. But I just think it's interesting that you know, um. LeBron James is, ex- is executing and exercising his First Amendment rights that he cares so much about unless uh, those people live in China.
2: Um, I just have a journalism degree, so I may be unclear. But my thought on documentaries – and you as a filmmaker, I, I hope you're going to correct me – is that you go into the idea of making a documentary without a presupposed end to the story that you're supposed to find what the story actually is, a lot like reporting.
0: Uh, You're exactly right.
2: Um, And And this is where... And you present facts. Um, When you're promoting that you're going to do a documentary covering how the Astros cheated and how the Astros have committed the worst crime against humanity ever, um, that seems to me like you already have the end in mind. Yeah,
0: I would call that, like what I refer to Michael Moore's work, as a video essay. You have a point that you're trying to prove. You have a thesis. Yeah, you're you're not he's not going in there to discover anything. But I do think I want to get back to the China thing. I think the irony here that he is so willing to, ch- to 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 sell the the rights he's so willing to exercise his First Amendment rights when he doesn't want the people in China to sell it to enjoy those same rights as long as the NBA is making money by supporting a communist regime regime.
2: Well, I don't even think it's the NBA. I think it was personally affecting his ability to promote products in China. So if the Chinese government had taken offense or taken more offense or acted on the offense they took, I think is the more appropriate term, um, to what Daryl Morey, who is the current GM of the Rockets, said about the human conditions of China and banned the NBA for some period of time, that would have affected LeBron James directly in the pocket. And ultimately what LeBron James cares about is LeBron James's pocket. So I assume that the only motivation LeBron James would have to make a documentary about anything that wasn't about him was because it was going to somehow make him money. And I don't know how many I don't know how many Yankees and Dodgers fans are going to line up to buy a or sign up for a Quibi subscription to watch five to seven minute clips of a documentary about the Astros. Maybe they all will. Maybe it's the most rabid sports topic of, of the day, um, like it was in January. Um, I think there's probably other stories, and I think our national attention span is certainly going to. Um, Dictate
0: to this thing if it sees the light today isn't going to get a whole lot of traction. Yeah, he's uh, it's it's right. It's categorically the the wrong time for that. I mean, it'll look. Here's the thing. Here's what'll happen with it. It'll end up on Twitter in little bitty petty clips, and we're going to have to deal with it again until until I just go full like I don't even care anymore, and um, just unplug from the MLB altogether.
2: See, and I agree with you who I'm irritated, but I'm also irritated just because I don't have games. If I had games to watch, I could overlook a lot of things. Um, the longer, and I know we talked about this last week, but the longer that the players um, and the owners fight on trying to come to some agreement, and I still think they're going to come to some agreement, it just highlights the frustration with everything else. Um I'm used to the Astros being overlooked. I'm used to watching 58 hours of Ken Burns documentaries and having 32 seconds of Astros mentions uh, spread out over like three episodes, by the way. I'm used to the national game of the week, literally only being the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, So none of this is surprising to me. And if I had games to play with, I can get pretty insular with just those games. But right now, there's nothing else to focus on, and it's so super frustrating. Um, and if LeBron James wants to make the pandemic, um version of the Astros cheating story, good for him. Um, you know, that, that's absolutely his right. I question his motivation. Um, on the other hand, talking about Quibi has made me want to look at Sophie Turner some more, so that's a thing I get to do today. Uh, it's also very interesting that the... Bregman's being painted as a giant baby because he doesn't like mean old LeBron James making a documentary. There's very little mention of the fact that um, Bregman's irritated with um, Brody Schofield, his former manager, because Brody Schofield, like a lot of things that happen when you get former athletes who think they can be agents and decide to open up an agency, there was something missed in this big extension that uh, Bregman signed in February of 2019. Um, and the big thing that was missed was an escalator clause for um, MVP votes. So Alex Bregman, uh, at the close of the 2019 season, came in second in the American League in the MVP voting to uh, Mike Trout. Cool, great for him. Any normal contract would have an escalator in that that would have meant more money for Bregman. Somehow, Schofield's team... Missed that um, escalator clause, and um, for this for the 2019 and 2020 season. So he doesn't have escalator clauses until he has bought out a couple of his um, first free agency years. Yeah. So I think 21 and 22 are the first years there's going to be any kind of escalators in them. So Bregman has a right to be pissed off about that. Um, the fact that. The agency he is is working for him, in theory, is making something that undermines his role in baseball, I think is more just fuel to the fire. Um, it's not just, and I don't think Bregman's stupid enough to just make a decision based on a documentary that may or may not ever happen. But it certainly doesn't help when you know the ownership of your agency doesn't necessarily care about you. I will tell you this,
0: man. Um, Longhorn fans everywhere are shocked that picking weird people to be your first agent could have a negative effect. Oh, wait a minute. Vince Young and Ricky Williams. Um, Okay. So Andy, thanks so much for jumping on. We will be back next week until then, you know, um, I hope everybody's safe and just try to do your best to kind of relax this Memorial day. Maybe get outside and play with your dog.
2: Hey, I hope that Master P doesn't hear you talking about his agent skills.
0: He'll dangle me. He's a, is he the one who dangles people out of windows?
2: I don't know. I can't keep those stories straight, but I do know that Tupac, Tupac's dead. So <laughs> so you're saying
0: yeah. if there's no uh, episode 32 of season two of Let's Get Two, now we know why?
2: I'm saying Shug Knight is not in prison right now.
1: and now the big league chew and i on the majors brought to you by zoomer sport all right
0: we're excited we're back here on the big league chew with scott mcintyre scott everyone healthy
3: as far as I, well everyone here yes everyone yes. in total no sadly no but uh yeah yeah um here so far so good daughter's a lot better than last week she was yeah, that's a different story for a different time, but stomach bugs are still going around. Let's just put it that way.
0: I, I know. I will tell you this. Like, It's so funny to me. I know this isn't a, st- a stomach bug at all, but Jessica and I walked out to walk Vader and it was 91 degrees. And I, I don't know why I thought we would get a break from all other bad things while this was happening, but apparently <laughs> apparently, life's still going to happen.
3: Yeah, yeah. Still the uh, And this is the, the weird part. The, the weather's still going up and down and up and down. And so... You get the little bit of uh, the slightest bit of a sinus infection, or, or sinus is going crazy, and your throat's closing up. You're like, wait, wait, what? Okay, is everything okay? No, nope, everything's good. That's right. I spent all weekend in nurses' and nurseries and greenhouses. So, okay, Whew. I don't have
1: it. I'm all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's that's the other thing too, right? You, you start googling yourself with uh, you know allergies or COVID. Um, you know, but speaking of COVID, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's been no baseball played yet this season. Um, are, are you or no Not major mean, Yeah. You've heard,
3: but Oh my gosh, I am so becoming a fan of the KBO. I love the fundamentals.
0: Well, I will. I want to point out something. So in my opening, um, I have come 180 degrees on the KBO. I actually now prefer just the way they present the game on face value better than I do the way ESPN presents major league baseball. I think it is a little bit more relaxed. It seems a little bit more fun. It feels more like you're watching the game with people than it is. Here are some people smarter than you, then they're going to tell you what you've seen. And so I, I've gone 180 degrees on it, man.
3: Eduardo Perez is becoming a cult phenomenon in Korea also through that, through that coverage. And, and, you know, you, you're getting, because I'm up early in the mornings as it is. So you're getting your text messages blown up by me on a daily oh basis. Oh my God. Now. Yeah. Yeah. A especially when John Shiambi and, um, and whose nickname is Boog, I found out, uh, and Eduardo Perez are calling games. I really recommend people to, 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 to watch that, especially if you need a baseball fix, they start at four thirty in the morning central time. But you know, we also have this thing called DVR. So figure it out.
0: Well, and you know, I, I know, I know actually we had a topic today, but I do want to like bring that up though. Like, I understand that Eduardo Perez and and Boog aren't household names, but you know what? No one's like, okay. So it's one thing when John Smoltz does a game, because I think John Smoltz is really good and he's John Smoltz. Yep. I don't think Alex Rodriguez is good at it. Like he, he, um, he's not, he's not, let's be honest. I don't think he's super intellectual. I don't think he's very bright. I think that um, he, he, doesn't have very good screen presence. Um, I think Jessica Mendoza was much, I, I would have much rather them kick A-Rod out of the booth and, and left Mendoza. And I wish Major League Baseball would realize that we don't care about who's calling the game. We only care that they're good at calling it. And these guys have been great.
3: Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I think back in the day, the, the best broadcasting duo, well, the broadcasting duo that I grew up with, was Joe Garagiola and Tony Kubek, Absolutely. On NBC's Game of the Week. Um, but i also say that historically in America we have always put people in the booth that that maybe necessarily shouldn't have been in the booth and if anyone disagrees with that then please explain to me why Joe Namath was a color commentator for 20 years so
0: uh, yeah no i mean you you are exactly right and and um it, like so, like you sometimes you do hit like gold, like Don Meredith and the old Monday night football, like his kind of very Texas thing. It was able to translate, uh, uh over, over the airwaves. I don't think a rod translates. Uh, obviously Jason no. Witten didn't translate. They translated him right back to the NFL. So.
3: <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. It happens. And I think a lot of the time, um, you know, one of the best announcers there is in the game was a lifetime 220 hitter and his name's Bob Uker. Oh yeah. So, sometimes the guys that were absolutely at the top of the game, perennial all-stars, phenomenal players, they'd always translate well to the booth. But that guy that was the punter for the Giants named Pat Summerall goes on forever to a great, um, great career in the booth. And I think you get the same thing. Uh, You know, nobody, like you said, Eduardo Perez is not a household name, but he was good in a, in a a uniform for a few years, good enough. And now he's a, a heck of a, Heck of a of a commentator, so but I didn't mean to take us too far off. No, stuff, I, but,
0: I, but I think it's as it's good and fun, and I, man.
3: It's a baseball. It's the biggest it's the biggest chew this league is going to get. Right now. No, you're right,
0: and I you know I think just going back to that, I think like you know just like you said, the guys that maybe hit 220. Well, you know what they did a lot of. They did a lot of watching. It's why it's why you very rarely see an all star ball player translate to being a good manager. But sometimes it is that catcher that hit. Two hundred, but observe the game and learn. You know what I mean. Like, there's a reason why sometimes those skill sets don't necessarily translate very well. I mean, I don't think Don Mattingly yeah. is a great. Like, who's a better manager, Don Mattingly or AJ Hinch?
3: Yeah, no, it's a great point. It's that clubhouse presence. is the guy who gets it. Who didn't? Who who got by on his wiles rather than his god given talent, if you would. And. um and also the guy who, um, who who just brings people together and understands people. He's been the the clubhouse lawyer and the and the clubhouse psychologist. There's there's guys like that in every sport. I mean, football has its Ryan Fitzpatrick's with his Harvard degree, and baseball has its um, you know has its Charlie O'Briens and Bob Euchers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably end up being a good coach or a good commentator someday. Um, but you know what? Um, we do have some baseball to talk about and and. I, I hate to admit it, but I'm starting to really love Jeff Passan, um, even though, as I think I told you at the winter meetings, I urinated next to him in the in the urinal and thought about tinkling on his shoe for him being mean to my Astros. Um, I didn't. Uh, but no, uh, first of all, I don't know if you saw, but he referred, he, he talked about Blake Snell's comments on a radio show. And his quote was, Uh, Blake Snell did not get any education above high school and it shows, which I thought was awesome. Um, But, you know, he talked about what is essentially an almost his quote was laughable amount of restrictions in the 67 page health and safety protocol to return to the coronavirus. Now, my first question to you. If it's 67 pages and it's this difficult and they haven't just lifted the – what what Taiwan is doing and what Korea is doing, is it therefore worth bringing back?
3: Um, before I answer that, I just want to say my other comment to Blake Snell would be, don't think meat, just pitch. Um, so <laughs> – Here's the thing about that 67 page, and I completely agree with with Passan, but my reason for it being laughable is that no national or local health administrators, county administrators for each of these major league cities or wherever they play can shut it down. They have that right. None of them were consulted, and Major League Baseball said, well, we want to get our plan together before we consult them. That's like saying I'm going to walk into a room, but I'm going to pull down my pants and walk in backwards. So I'm cool, I'm cool with everybody seeing this before I show them it's me. It's it, it's I mean it, it's ridiculous, Jim. How, how in the world do you come up with a plan for how to restart baseball in a health crisis and not consult the local officials and administrators of these places uh, to? To to figure out how to do it, what's the players' union supposed to vote on? This is all coming to them. Uh, you know they're supposed to get all of the details, and they've got everything to to peruse through, except for this one glaring fact that the health administrators can shut the whole thing down.
0: So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about then to that point is not all states are created equal, right? So. You live in Correct. St. Louis. I don't know how bad it's been there. I don't think it's been super bad because I haven't seen it on the news. And I'm here in Texas, and Texas has not had a very – we have not reached a crisis level at all. Um, so it seems safe to to assume that that uh, St. Louis could have games at Bush Stadium and that Texas could have games and whatever they're calling their ripoff of Minute Maid Park. And Minute Maid – because look at those models, Scott. They're the same stadium. We might have stole some signs. They stole a whole stadium, okay? <laughs> They stole a whole stadium. So anyway, if it ain't broke, don't it's, if it it's, ain't broke yeah, yeah. it's true. Uh, although the roof does break sometimes um, anyway, but, but then you look at, okay, so you have what, five, am I counting right? Five major league teams in California, two of them in LA, right. San Diego, San Francisco, and Oakland. You have two in New York, and then you have two in
3: Chicago. Um, and you have one in Toronto with a Canadian border that's closed.
0: Okay. there you go. So the plan was home stadiums, if at all possible. I have we have now just narrowed it down to what, seven, nine, ten teams. So one third of the league that will be some of the last to get access to. Have they had a plan for where those teams would play home games?
3: No, no, they don't. I mean, they really they really don't. Um, And and players. And and this is the part I get, like Mike Trout. Mike Trout, who arguably is the biggest name in the game right now, right? Yeah. Phenomenal player. His wife's due in August, and he's made it very clear, I'm going to be there for the birth of my first child. Well, so how is Mike Trout supposed to do that if he is you know, playing a game in Seattle, let's say, and the tra- there's travel restrictions between Seattle and him getting back to L.A.? Or, or it's a harder time for him to get there. I mean, how, how do they do that? Or if they've said, oh, we're going to put you in a pod and you're going to play in Arizona. But he's been there and he's been around a bunch of people that you know w- w- within the game, um, how is he supposed to be able to how, who's, who, which hospital official is going to allow him into the into the room when his wife's giving birth? these are These are choices that frankly nobody should have to make. Uh, I, you know, I don't care how much money they make or anything or how little money they make. Nobody should have to make this choice. You should be able to be there for the birth of your child, period. Uh, you know, I, I think about that. I, I think about, um, you know, players are not going to go toward the pod aspect. You're going to have, like you just pointed out, a third of major league stadiums that are basically not accessible. Um, you know, the more I look at this, it's like I, I would not be surprised if we wind up with a 60-game schedule and a 16-team playoff. I haven't given up hope completely that we're going to play, but, but this is, you know, this is, it, it's it's kind of a big deal, right? It's, 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 I don't it, know how they work through it.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting because, you know, the NBA obviously is in a very different situation. One, fewer players. Uh, two, they've already played the vast majority of their season. I think most teams, you're know, not NBA guys, but I think most teams only have about 12 regular season games left. You could, in theory, pod those guys. They've talked about doing it in Vegas. I think actually I just read that Walt Disney World has actually put forth a plan where they would all – like each team would get a hotel in that area where – and you could theoretically pod them because you're podding them for a month or six weeks to essentially basically play a series of small play in tournaments and almost do like an old school tournament. I'm sort of with you with this baseball thing. Of maybe doing a shorter regular season and then kind of doing just almost like, like what they did when they were kids of having a big tournament. So you can kind of get through it earlier, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, it it does. And I, I think that's the, that that's really the only thing that's going to make any sense. I mean, I was, I was l- looking at this and I wanted to make sure I was correct. I'm, I'm double checking myself. See, I'm, I'm not saying things that aren't true, but 16 of the league's 30 teams are currently under some type of shelter in place order. Right. Uh, how do you, how do you restart the and say, Well, you know, we're special because we're baseball. Now look, we could use the shot in the arm across the board. Absolutely. We could use the shot in the arm to, um, to get these people playing again. But what happens if there's a spike in one of the, you know, if, you, if you're if you playing in people's home stadiums and one place has a spike, well, now we can't play there anymore. And what happens if you've come into contact w- with these guys? And, oh, by the way, the tests that Major League Baseball says they're going to have, they also admit that's going to take away from the testing that's available for the regular people. So, you know, we're, we're baseball saying we're going to test these players frequently to make sure they don't have anything. Um, okay, that's not daily. They said, no, no, not daily, but frequently. What's it, weekly? Well, frequently. Okay, what is frequently? And they can't define that. So I can't tell you how often you're going to be tested. I can tell you that the tests we're going to take from you are going to take away from other other people. I I just – I really – and to your point that you made at the outset of this, you've got – Taiwan and the KBO that have already showed this is how you can get to playing again. Um, now, mind you, that's a smaller geographical area, but that's really what they need to be thinking about here: is pod these games um, in in certain locations and, and and try to to keep thing you know try to keep people close to home um, as best you can. I don't know six sites maybe we have so Five we have teams at these. I want to get to
0: the ultimate are- elephant in the room on this, but we have. You know, I think we have a culture and I think social media, I, I know I'm starting to sound like a, I feel like Charlie strong every time I go off on social media, which he laughably called the downfall of society and turned out he was right. Um, but <laughs> I think that we have this this tendency now to be first on everything. And so we want to jump to results before the thing that happened first. And, and you're exactly right. Could we use a shot in the, the arm Baseball has always been there to help get us out of a crisis. The difference is for the most part, we were through the the crisis before baseball came in to save us. It's not like we played baseball games on nine 12. You know, we, we waited what 10 days, right? 10 days almost quite a while.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It it was, it was quite a bit after and, and drug the world series over into, into November for sure. Um, There's just, I would expect that a lot of smart people could come together with a plan with more details, and that's why I go back, going back to Passan's, is it laugh, or calling it laughable. I agree with that. Um, there's, you need to account for how much money is going to be lost. First of all, the figure that baseball threw out, like four billion or something or whatever it was, is it, it, it's it's sports accounting, which. If anybody that knows sports accounting knows that numbers get moved around and things aren't accurate. And a story is told like it wants to be told.
0: Let me, let me get to the next point then, because that's where I want to get to. Um, and that's ultimately what I want the lion share of this conversation to be about, because it is the same old song. I feel like I'm, we're living in an Aerosmith song, man. It's the same old song, same old song and dance. Um, so Passan went on to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, who I'm sure for those of you who don't know who aren't basketball fans, essentially Adrian Wojnarowski is the Jeff Basson of the NBA and he is the Adam Schefter of the NBA. So they do a podcast together and they talk about just the difference in labor between the NBA and the MLB and that Adam Silver was able to have a phone call with LeBron and uh, Durant and um, Curry. And they had a very congenial what's best for the game call. In baseball, that is impossible because there has never been a the, – the, the the anger between ownership and labor will never go away. And I feel like it's – I feel like we run the risk, man, of it really killing the game this time because if you take away coronavirus and just read the fight, it reads like 1994 all over again, except it's worse now because we are literally watching billionaires and millionaires fight While so many of us, every week, we are reminded, oh, God, thank God I didn't get furlough until, oh, my God, I just got furloughed. Um, How is this going to play from an optics perspective?
3: Well, I think, first of all, it's it's like we talked about this last week. If the players don't concede, if they take the Blake Snell line in the sand approach, um, that's ridiculous. The players need to be able to come back with this plan, with some concessions to say, okay, yeah, we'll do revenue sharing. You want to do 38%, we want 39.5% or something, you know? But look, you're not going to make the money you're making this year that you typically make. Get over it. You're still going to make really good money, uh, especially considering what you do and and the fact that there's a lot of people that would love to be able to do it. I also go back to to the fact of, you know, they're talking about 30 people on the team or 30 people on the active roster with a 20-person taxi squad. That's going to bring in a lot more AAA players, potentially AA players, to fill, out, um, to fill out rosters. Those guys will be happy to play, trust me. And as we've talked about many times, the game's not that far away from one level to the next. So you have to have the concessions from a financial standpoint. Um, also, and I want to throw this in there because this is important, you're not going to have fans in these states. I think we're all clear on that. And if you do, it's going to be way, way, way late down the line. But I don't think that's going to happen. Baseball, more so than any other sport, because of its pace and it's just people's ability to get up and peruse and go around, 40% of profits for major league teams come from concessions and, um, and stuff that you buy at games, memorabilia, the gear, right? 40% of that, that's greater than any of the other sports. So that money has gone away. You're not going to get that this year. You're not, but of course, you're also, you do the expenses. But 40% of your income is gone right out of the gate. The ticket sales are not going to happen. So it all comes back to TV revenue and sponsorships. So players got to t- be willing to take that hit. Now, if players come back and they say, okay, we're willing to take that hit, and owners can't find a way to then negotiate and meet them a little further halfway, well, now the onus is back on the owners looking like, the greedy people that frankly they are um so it, what america does not will not stomach is watching the rich get richer at the expense of um uh, of the average american baseball not being played because they can't agree on how many hundreds of thousands of dollars they should make that's that's just not a, a, a concept that people are, are, are going to get along with. I do think the game will come back. It always has. It came back from the Black Sox scandal. It came back from the 94 work stoppage. It comes back comes back from every labor crisis. It will come back again. Um, but I think it could do more uh, damage, more harm uh, now than ever before. And that was a long way to go with that answer, but there's so many, so many details and so many topics that, that go into that answer.
0: So let's say this, and this is, I think, where um, it'll be a good place to get ready to wrap up. But I think one of the things that I think we all know that one of the ways that rich people become rich is they find ways to, one, get money and to hang on to money. And so let's say that the the owners end up having to meet the players' demands. The fact of the matter is, is, yeah, they're going to take a short-term loss. But they are going to pass that expense on to us. Our games are going to get a little bit more expensive. The beer will get a little bit more expensive. So will those t-shirts. Um, at some point, does the game have a responsibility to take into the fact that fans are also going to have a lot less money to spend coming into next year and the year after?
3: I think they have to. And But the bottom line is it's still the fans' choice whether to spend that money. You can always sit at home and watch the game. You can go to, you know, rather than go to 12 games out of a year, you can go to six. Um, You know, you cannot buy that season uh, plan. It, it still is part of the supply and demand market. And there's, um, you know, if, so I, I, even though I completely agree with you, they're going to raise up prices. They're going to raise up things in the, in the ballpark. People are going to say these prices are outrageous. Then don't go watch it at home. You got a better seat sitting on your couch anyway, to be quite honest. Um, to watch the game, you you can still cheer on your team while while also kind of you know protesting what what the owners are are doing. Um, uh, they they should have an obligation to lower things. And historically, if there is an economic downturn, they do realize that they're going to have to lower those price points. But then, when the economy comes back up, they jack it up even farther than it was before. Uh, they'll make their money in the end. I, I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Everyone who's an owner, everyone who's a player, they're going to make some good money this year as long as they play.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that I don't understand how either group can understand is that it seems like and maybe it's because you and I, again, live in a much different economic bracket, but some money is always better than no money
3: yeah, and and there's there's some expenses, also, some operating expenses that just aren't going to have to happen. You're not going to have to have as much front office staff running around. You're not going to have to have as much coordination of travel, probably. You're not going to have to have uh, as many you know lights turned on inside the concourse, right? There's no reason to. Uh, you're not you're, there will be ways for smart teams. To save money and therefore help their bottom bracket, just you know, like everything in existence in the world except the U.S. government has to do is, you know, they just print up more whenever they want more money. But uh, for the rest of us, if the pocketbooks get tight, uh, well, we don't go out and have that steak dinner, right? We eat at McDonald's or we cook ourselves something. Uh, and they kind of got to do the same thing. You know, it's a time where everybody's got to pull their britches a little tighter and. And, um, you know, help out their fellow man a little bit where, where possible. And this is, this is what they need to do, period. If they're unable to do that, like I said, they'll, if they can't come to agreement this year, they get 0% of the pie. And they watch fans go, hey, you know what? This Korean baseball is not so bad. And when Japan gets around to playing again, people will be watching that too.
1: Apo Taco, a fan's view of the show.
0: So we are back now on our Oppo Taco segment, and we're not going to talk Minnesota Twins with Andrew because we can only be hypothetical with him about so much for so long before we all get exhausted. But, Andrew, you did something baseball-y this week.
1: I did. I went to a real-life baseball event. Uh, The St. Paul Saints uh, were supposed to have their opening day on Tuesday the 19th, and since they couldn't really... Start baseball. They decided to have an opening day.
0: An opening day. All right. So, what did they do for an opening day? I'm curious.
1: So, for an opening day, they they ran a giveaway, and the first 500 people to drive by the stadium would get a free a free opening day t shirt and a hot dog. Now, I've gone to Saints giveaway days, like regular ones, before, and I get there a little bit early, but it's not usually too much of a fight to to get the promos boy did I underestimate the turnout
0: (laughs) okay so how was it
1: uh well so I I showed up at uh I got up to St. Paul about quarter after five that was about as early as I could get up there um and there was I was already backed up um probably about five or six blocks away from the stadium Uh uh-huh And uh, for a while, the line only moved when people got tired and left it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, and and, yeah, uh, traffic control probably could have been better. They only had uh, actual traffic control at the intersections immediately by the stadium. So there was a lot of lines converging into one line was kind of the main problem. So uh, I waited in line for about an hour and 15 minutes and then uh, up uh, up by the stadium, they had all the usher-tainers. And for anybody who's not familiar with that, the St. Saint Paul Saints have all these uh, characters that actors play in the stands that uh, provide in-game entertainment. And, uh, and I mean, they'll point you to things if you need to or anything like that also. But they're primarily there just to, to liven up the atmosphere and provide more of that family fun that they're famous for so um had to see the chef and um there there's uh gert the flirt is one of their other (laughs) ones and and, (laughs) an old lady who puts on like thick lipstick and kisses people on the (laughs) (laughs) teeth.
0: oh man Um, she's not
1: gonna be able to do that when we come up oh probably not no um but uh so they had all the characters out there. Everybody was uh, trying to make make it as lively and fun as they could, but they also really had to move people through yeah. because there were so many people there. So by the time I got up there, there weren't any t-shirts left, but they they gave, they were apologetic. They're like, hey, sorry, here's a couple of hats and a coupon for a discount on the shirt because they're selling the shirts on the website. So if anybody wants a St. Saint Paul Saints opening day 2020 t-shirt, you can go on Saints uh say com and, and buy one. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then it, I had to get going. So the stadium's located in kind of a weird spot. It's a beautiful stadium and it's right in downtown St. Paul, but it's right up against the highway too. Okay. So when you're driving past the stadium, you really just have to get right on the highway. <laughs> so it was kind of get there, get through and get out of here. And it was fun. I'm glad I did it. But, uh, Man, it was, it was wild. There's there's a lot of people that are uh, are thirsty for some entertainment and for some baseball, I'm sure. Lights, camera, play ball
0: inside baseball cinema. So for our Lights, Camera, baseball segment today, I want to talk a little bit about Brockmeyer. So the season just ended and with that, the series ended and, and I'm not going to bring up spoilers. I'm not going to talk about anything specific that happened, but I want to talk about how much better that show was than it had any business being. You know, in many ways, it started out kind of the same way as the movie Zoolander did, where it was kind of making a, a one-off character, making fun of a thing. And then it turned into something bigger, Zoolander the film and the very forgettable sequel. But of course, four seasons of Brockmeyer. And, you know, I think that if you would have told me four seasons of Hank Azaria doing the baseball voice for every, just about every line of dialogue spoken – I would have thought it would have been exhausting, but, you know, I'm a writer. That's what I do um, professionally for screen mostly and was continuously blown away by how well the show, one, sustained a four-season character arc where they didn't go back. They did not retread old things. They, in fact, kept the character moving and made him someone that even who, people i know who didn't don't like baseball liked watching the show. You know, the fact is is that in many ways Brockmire started out as this self-absorbed, self-destructive guy. Season 2 was rock bottom. Season three was him really climbing out of it. And I thought one of the best seasons of television that I've seen in season four, he became the only adult in the room, really. And I think that was such a fascinating way to take it. I don't think they obviously didn't realize that we would actually go through the entire season four of Brockmire with no baseball. I love how they kind of mock the overthinking of how to fix things that are wrong with baseball. I think the turning of Hazaria into the commissioner of baseball, like I've done in season four was a very interesting choice. And I think a way to keep it fresh as opposed to, you know, the easy low hanging fruit of a season four could have been him in the booth with more personal struggles. I, again, I just, I can't applaud the show enough on the character study that it is. And so I highly recommend if you haven't watched it, jump into it. You can, you can find it. Um, I think Hulu has all the episodes. And again, it's been one of those shows that, like I said before, in many ways, like the league, uh, but better than the league where it was way better than it had any business being. It could have easily been shock humor with no heart or no soul or no point of view. And it didn't do that. So um kudos to the creative team of Brockmeyer. I highly hope and highly recommend that all of you check it out because again, it'll it'll be a show that with only 40 episodes will be a regular rewatch for me.
1: And now on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. And so that does wrap us
0: up. We will be back on Sunday with a very special Memorial Day episode. Much of the episode is going to be dealing with military themes, baseball in the military, that kind of thing. We hope everyone stays safe. We hope everyone does their best to enjoy Memorial Weekend, uh, do the things that, you know, remembering what the weekend is about, which is about our fallen soldiers. But also do your best to try to de-stress from this very weird coronavirus thing Um, Most of us are still under some kind of a lockdown. So take that seriously, respect it, but, you know, grill outside and try to do some of those normal things. Like I said, we will be back on Sunday. And so until next time, let's get to...